If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Welcome, everyone, to episode 42. We're going to role play a variety of pivotal coaching conversations, including the range of termination conversations that we referred to in a previous episode, as well as how to transition from, say, coaching to pay setter first 40 down to 30 lives or less, how to challenge reps to think bigger, what coaching in the second, third, fourth year might look like, and, and just some other scenarios as we have time. So, Heather, how are you feeling today? Are you ready to win an Academy Award for your acting skills as a FR? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> was not an actor in a previous life. We'll see how this goes, but I'm game. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with the termination series, beginning with the first time someone wants to quit. So we're going to take you through three different scenarios with the same rep. The first time they come in and tell you they want to quit, the second time they come in and tell you what they want to quit. And then the third time they tell you they want to quit. And there might be many more after that, but you'll get the sense of how this goes. So Heather's going to come in. Hey, Heather, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a couple okay, days. That sounded very <laughs> hesitant. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. So tell me about that. I don't know. It's just rough. Um, I'm at a stage where I don't know. I'm just questioning this. I'm out of people to call. I've been out of people to call for some time now. It's been a struggle and it really just isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm just struggling. I'm on the struggle boss, Savina. Okay. And I'll just tell you this right away. First of all, that's perfectly normal. I can't think of a single rep who's gone on to great success here who I haven't had this same conversation with at about this stage. So I don't know if that makes you feel any better or not. It's very normal to feel this way. Because if you think about it, you're at the steepest part of the learning curve in the career, right? Everything is as hard as it's going to be right now because you're starting from scratch. You don't, you're experiencing that first valley of, oh my gosh, prospecting, you know, all roads lead to prospecting. So if you had people to call, would you be feeling this way, do you think? Or is it more than that? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I enjoy being in front of people and I enjoy educating people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it probably, it probably would be easier if I had people to call. Yes. Okay. So on a scale of I'm done being one and I love this career being a 10, where would you put yourself? I feel like they're two different questions. Like I do love the career if it was going better. <laughs> um, probably a five, I would say right in the middle right now. Okay, great. So let's talk about some ways that we could maybe tip you over into a six or seven. And it sounds like prospecting is the place to begin. Okay, so scene. So at that point, we would then go into a, probably 
one of the many conversations you've heard us had before about prospecting, right? Because that's almost always where that conversation starts. People have run out of people to call and now they just want to quit. When you run out of people to call, you don't make your calls, then your calendar sort of empties and then you're sitting at your desk with your head in your hands going, what have I done? You know, this was a big mistake. So I think that's part of it. So that's the first time. My general rule of thumb, and Heather, you can certainly weigh in on this too, is don't panic and talk them out of it. I try to talk everybody out of quitting the first time they want to quit just because they haven't given it enough of a shot. Heather, what do you think? I agree 100%. I think it's normal. To me, it depends on how soon they start having that struggle. I have an advisor I'm coaching now. He's only in his third month, and I'm honestly thinking about coaching him out of the business already. But we've had a couple conversations, even over the first month and the second month. So even though he's only in his third month, it feels like I should still be trying to, quote unquote, <laughs> save him. He's. We've already had the first conversation, the second conversation, the third conversation, and he is miserable. So I, I'm assuming we'll probably get to you know some of those scenarios as we continue to role play. But yes, I agree. The first time somebody is like, oh, this isn't for me. I'm not going to coach them out just yet, right? Right. Okay, so now Heather has maybe a little bit of progress, like two steps forward, one step back. So we are now going into round two of, she's like, man, I've done some things, still want to quit. So Heather comes in. Heather, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay, Savina. I've made some progress with my prospecting, but I'm just still not really enjoying Mm -hmm. it. It's not fun. I feel it's so hard. I just feel anxious every day. I'm always nervous and worried. And everywhere I go, everybody looks like a prospect. And there's just this heaviness of, is this the right thing for me? Okay. So what weighs on you the most? Like if you were going to isolate the thing that's the heaviest, what would that be? Phoning and prospecting. It's always been been the phoning and prospecting. Mm -hmm. Which is sort of, you can't have one without the other, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is it about prospecting that you don't enjoy? Like an inconvenience to people. It's just so awkward and uncomfortable. It's not natural for me. I don't like asking people, even when I get the affirmative and they say it's great, it just does not come naturally for me. And I've been asking and I'm not getting any QSs and it just feels like a constant uphill battle every day. And I'm I'm tired of battling. Is there anything that you can think of that would make the battle worthwhile? That's a really good question. I think that's what I'm struggling with is I don't, I'm afraid to answer that question because I'm afraid the answer might be no. Okay. Well, let's go back to when you agreed to come into the business. Like you at one time were pretty excited about it. What brought you into the business? Like what made you take a step into this? I mean, obviously the impact, I know it's important and I want to help people. And I know this career is a career where I can help people but it, I'm not making any money doing it. I have to support my family too. And if I can't grow my business and make any money, I'm going to have to find a different way to help people. And that makes sense. So it sounds like the financial part of it is a pretty big piece of the what feels like a battle. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that then. How, you know, I always like to know how much room you have to run in terms of financially. Like at what point is it a full-on panic versus just a worry? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm beyond worry, but I'm not to panic. We're somewhere in between. And I'm sure right now it has something to do with the holidays, right? Our spend is more. Our spend is more right now, but yeah, we're getting close. 
you know, as we talked about before, this is a slow growing business. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, it's just hard to get it off the ground. You have to really do a lot more work up front than you would normally do once it levels out later. But let's talk then about your inventory. And so again, scene. So at this point, we would go on and we'd maybe dive into what Heather has in her inventory, what can get submitted right away, what's up there that hasn't been paid for yet, you know, kind of get a very detailed financial picture of what she's got going on. Because that is actually a very accurate portrayal of where why most people want to leave because they're not making money, right? If you have somebody who's making a lot of money and they still want to leave, that's a whole different ballgame, right? That means this they're not enjoying it. They're good at it. They just don't like it enough to do it. They just don't like the process. They don't like anything about it. So that's where you get to in that second conversation. So we're not really talking about Heather leaving yet, but all of those clues in that conversation kind of tell you that that's what she's thinking about, right? So now we get to the third time Heather comes in and she's just, you know, kind of like, I just don't know what else to do. I don't know. So now she comes in, let's just say it's maybe three weeks later and Heather comes in and and we have the third conversation around, around terminating. Hey, Heather, how are things today? They're okay. I'm here. (laughs) Okay. I could tell a lot just by the way you said that. So tell me what you're, what's going on. I think I'm ready to throw the towel in. I'm not sure I can do this much anymore. I know we've had some conversations and they've been helpful. And I think I'm at the point where I know I've given 110%. It's not like I'm throwing in the towel and I, you know, haven't tried. I really feel like I've tried. Okay. Yeah, I can tell just by everything you said and the way you're sitting there that this is, you kind of feel like you've hit the end of it. Every bone in my body kind of wants to talk you out of it and to, you know, keep you moving forward. But when we look at your activity and your results, I can see that things have sort of trailed off. And I think based on our last conversation, there's just not a lot up there or going up there. You know, I feel a responsibility somewhat to help you make the right decision for you. And I don't want you to stick this out and go into debt doing it. You know, I feel like that's not the right thing to do. So I think it's wise of you to think about making this decision while it's still yours to make, right? Because now we're looking at office minimums, we're looking at tap minimums, which I think you're pretty, you're far enough behind on that it's concerning to me. You know, I'm pretty optimistic about most things. So what are you thinking in terms of what you would actually like to do? I love the work. I'm just not making money doing it. I don't know. Maybe it's an opportunity to look at a team or some opportunities within the organization that maybe aren't 100% commission. You know, that would probably be my first thought. And then there aren't any opportunities on a team. I don't know that this is the right place for me at this moment in time anyway. Sure. That can change over time. So I think if you're pretty confident about that decision, then it's probably time for us to map out an exit strategy for you, you know, that's smooth and dot all the I's and cross all the T's. But let me ask you just a couple of questions, though. What have you learned about yourself through this process? That I do still enjoy helping people, that I probably need a little more security that maybe sales isn't, while helping people is something I enjoy, maybe the sales route isn't the right aspect to do that. But I would say also that I'm pretty resilient. You know, I'm still hanging in there much longer than I thought I would based on how I've been feeling. So I would say pretty resilient. Okay. I think that's a very good reflection and very insightful for you to come away with that about yourself. Let me ask you this. Was there anything that we could have done as an office to make this a better experience for you? 
the people have been great and the support has been there. Honestly, I think everybody has been very supportive. I've really enjoyed the people. That's the part probably that makes it the hardest to be wanting to leave is leaving the people and leaving the culture because I do like that. So I feel like this is pretty typical of how this conversation goes. I always would ask people, is there anything we could have done to make this better? Almost 100% of the time they say no. It's a good question because it helps people reflect on the office and take responsibility because at the end of the day, there's so many more resources now. So Heather, tell me through those three conversations, role-playing the rep, how did you feel from the first to the second to the third? I felt supported. I felt like you cared. I felt like you're trying to meet me where I, we always talk about drowning people in belief, and I think you did a good job of that in the beginning. I felt like you cared and you believed, but I also felt listened to. You know, I I do think from my perspective as an activity coach, when I have coached people in other offices, I can tell they're having conversations with other people in the network office that are trying to keep them. And I'm at the point where I'm like, this person is drowning and they're asking for a life ring, like, let me out. (laughs) And I want to tell the office, like, it's time to start coaching that person out. And I felt like you did a nice job of making it a process and staying with me and hearing me. At the end, you weren't still trying to save me. You were trying to make it the right decision for me. And I appreciated that. And understanding that sometimes when you're in an activity coach role, you don't always have the authority to make like to do that. But I feel like you do have the authority to have the conversations and to be a good listener. Because when if you don't acknowledge that sometimes people want to quit, they are going to do it anyway. And to Heather's point, if you feel listened to, and you feel like you could process that with somebody, that's a good thing. And I think the other thing is, like we always say, all roads lead to prospecting in a reps business. It's the same in the recruiting business, right? Like when you feel yourself highly resistant to letting someone go, look at your recruiting because it's usually because you're coming at it from a scarcity, like you need that person, like that person, you know, retention wise is critical. And that is not a financial rep centered place to be. You want to always be keeping your focus on what's best for the rep. So. All right, so let's move on then from the termination discussion to one of the other questions that that we get a lot is how to transition when we're coaching from paysetter, like we're coaching somebody through the first six months paysetter, but they're clearly not going to make paysetter. At what point do you stop coaching to that and sort of back it up to something that's realistic, but they can still push to? So this is the conversation we're going to have now. So Heather is a rep who's, she's got five months in, got about a month left. She's at 15 lives, still wants to believe she can do paysetter. So we all love a good hero story, right? So we think somebody does 25 lives in that last month, you know, yay. So we're going to talk about, we're going to have that conversation. So, hey, Heather, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing awesome. How are you? Oh, good. I'm doing great as well. Let's talk now about the last month of your six months. How are you feeling about things? You're at 15 paid lives. Yeah, not where I wanted to be. That's for sure. You know, I still would like to hit pace at our first 40. I know it's going to be a stretch, but I'm keeping the hopes up (laughs) that that's going to happen. I love your optimism, but let's look at your inventory. Let's talk about what you've got in underwriting, what's up there. I mean, how many lives do you have up there that you could still pay for? Like they're already submitted. They're just waiting to be approved. Oh, already submitted right now. I have four. Okay. So that would put you at 19 Mm -hmm. um, once those four get paid for. Yeah. And I've got almost halfway. Yeah. And I've got maybe seven or eight ish in inventory. Okay. 
So let's see, seven or eight in inventory. So probably let's be conservative and say maybe half of those will go. So three or four of those. So that would be 23, 24 lives. So remember when we talked about way back at the beginning that it was 50, 40, 30, 20. And I think it's great that you want to keep stretching for 40, but I don't want you to just throw the process out the window and just start scraping together stuff to throw up there because that usually backfires in month seven, right? I've seen that happen. So I would rather you continued. You've done a good job of fact finding of, you know, we've been working on you getting people to the close. And I think that's starting to gain some momentum. So what would you think about 30? Because, you know, between 30 and 40, if you could get to 30, maybe a little bit more, because honestly, I think 40 is a real stretch at this point. Yeah, it feels good. I, I, I feel it's doable. It feels more doable than 40. That's for sure. Right, right. And 30 is a perfectly good spot to land in. And what I'm thinking for the, the next six months, one of the ideas that I like to float with people is if you get to 30, then the next month, let's just see if we can't get between 40 and 50. So because you're playing the long game, right? Like you want to be here. I want you to be here long term. I think you have the skills, the talents. You know, you, I think you got a little bit slower out of the gates than you wanted to, but you are starting to gain momentum. And I don't want you to throw a monkey wrench in that just to hit this goal, right? I mean, I'm a big believer in goals. You know that. I also think I want you to have a long-term career here with good habits. And I'm thinking because with what you have in inventory and what's up there, you're going to get to the mid-20s, Right. So I think with the next four weeks, if you have, you know, continue your fact finding and then have enough closes, I think you can close that gap to 30 and you'd be in, you'd still be in great shape. That's the end of that conversation. So how did you feel as you were having that conversation? Because that's kind of how that goes. Yeah, I will say at the beginning, maybe a little disappointed, like, oh, I wanted to get to 40. But then at the end, it felt more realistic and I felt probably a little more calm, like, oh, shoot, okay, this is more doable. It can take some of the anxiety out of it. Yeah. And I think it's because what happens is, and there's value in both things. So it is valuable to get to 30 and keep your process intact and to continue building, right? So that's long-term consistent. You'll have a quantum leap. It'll just probably be a little bit later down the road. And you probably honestly won't get to a hundred in the first year, but then you're going to be in a much better position to do it the next year. And that's fine too. Now, if Heather had resisted and said, nope, I can do it. I've got 10 friends who just haven't bought yet, but I know I can get them to do it. But there's also value in somebody scrapping to the end and pulling out all the stops and creating chaos and hitting the goal, right? Because it stretches them and they have done something that they didn't think they could do. And there's value in that going forward. However, the cost of that, you just have to know, is they're going to be completely discombobulated in the seventh month and they're going to be picking up the pieces and starting over again because they're, they're going to have probably thrown the process out the window and emptied their inventory. And again, I'm not saying there isn't value in yeah. that. And who knows what the quality is. Yes. And yes. And you're then you're looking at a persistency issues. Yes, exactly. I'd rather have somebody get to 30 lives and do it on the right activity with the right habits in an organized, healthy way than get to 40 in a chit show. <laughs> Excuse my French, but yeah. Well, and then the thing that we have to be careful about as leaders is over-celebrating the person who does it in that chaotic, crazy way because it's like a comeback, you know, in the last 30 seconds of a football game and, you know, you get that last touchdown. Everybody go, everybody loves an underdog who comes out on top, right? And we tend to over-celebrate that a little bit in terms of, you know, yay, look what you did. And then it becomes the way that they hit goals. 
you know, sometimes going forward. It's like, oh, I know I can do it. I did it that way before. So yeah, very chaotic. I think those are probably the two that we'll be able to hit today. I think we will come back to this topic at some point and do some other conversations like, you know, growing pains conversations, what coaching looks like later in the third year, second year, that kind of stuff. There are a lot of different conversations that you'll have with people as a coach. These are just a couple that really come up regularly because these are common scenarios that almost every rep is going to go through. And I think there's just a couple of things that are important to remember. The first is the FRs you coach are human beings (laughs) in all their glory, doing the best they can at something that's really difficult. And they bring to the table all of their history and life experience and that we don't often know about. Right. And the other thing is people don't do things that they thought were impossible at one point without a team of people around them that push them, encourage them, and believe in them. And I think if you can keep that framework in mind as you're working through all the spectrum of conversations that you'll have with people, it'll help deepen your conversations and it'll help people grow and think and reflect whether they stay in the career or not. I mean, obviously we want to keep as many people as we can, but for some people it's just not right and we want them to leave feeling like they had a good growing experience here. Any other final thoughts, Heather? I'm just excited to hear that we might come back to some of those other scenarios because I would love to role play a scenario where you have a rep who doesn't want to leave but should. (laughs) Sometimes those are right where they are just, they think they belong there and they think they're doing fine and they don't want to leave and it's time for that difficult conversation. So let's add that to the list. That would be a good one, but I'm excited to dig in more to this as well. All right. Well, hopefully you got a little bit of language and philosophy today about how to deal with these things. And we'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.